And so you kind of realize that um, you're not in control, right? It's like third-party risk. Somebody else controls your future. And I thought, I've got to fire them before they fire me. You know, like I've got to fix this. And so um, I had this realization. I was like, what is it? And like that moment, that day, I just there was like a nuclear thing that happened to me where I said, I'm going to solve this and I'm doing it now, whatever. So there was a guy my, my, that taught my daughter. Uh, he was, he was a, a soccer coach and I'm like, Wayne, like Wayne drives a BMW. Wayne travels. He's my age. Like, how does Wayne do it? And like one of my friends said, Wayne has rental properties and it just, it was just awesome how some things are so divine at one moment. And I was like, the teacher was, the, 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 the student was ready for the teacher, you know, and boom. I was like, honestly, like in the shower, I thought, I'm doing real estate. Welcome to Rhea Radio, episode 59 with Travis Wiswell. That's just a fun name. I know, it's kind of like, it's like a whistle. <laughs> it's like a, like a little whistle and a whistle. You're listening to Rio Radio, the nationally trusted name in real estate investing. We dig deep to discover investors' why in real estate. If you want to skip all the BS and get in investors' heads, you're in the right spot. Be one of the thousands to check out RioRadio.com. I just love saying that name. It is great. It's I. What's that song uh, that was like wishing well? That's keep. That's what I keep thinking of. You know what I'm talking no. about? It was like Seal or or somebody like seal. that. Like yeah, like wish me love a wishing well, kiss and tell that one. You, you, do you have your own record? <laughs> <laughs> I could. I think I could. He's kind of like. Do you know that song? No, nothing. Crickets? Can we can we just get you to sing like a song and put it on YouTube or something? Be, because uh, and the reason he already did. I was yeah. banging out uh, what uh, Vanilla Ice earlier. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like Brain and Turner from Bigger Pockets. He's got like some country song, and you like you listen to it, and you're like, well, that was actually pretty good. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not not me. I got it. No, I I uh, yeah, I'm not gonna do that anytime soon. I don't even know why I did that. You will. Well, you will. I would make you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, how was your week, man? What's been going on? Well, I'm I'm super. Well, by the time this airs, we would have just be returning from the BPCon, and I bet we had an awesome time. I'm sure we had a great time. <laughs> we met lots of people and probably had some even funner pictures than last time. Yeah. So now, if, you, if you check out Rhea Radio's uh, Instagram, you can see you can see a lot of the photos from the excitement that we had. Last year, this time, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had some good ones. You got put in a headlock by Brandon Turner. Yep. Oh, we, uh, Austin got whipped. He uh, did get whipped by the cat lady. I, I paid hard. I, I paid her on the side. And oh then, man! And then when I paid her to whip him, I said, "I said, tell tell him that Stephanie, his assistant, did it." <laughs> I, like I, I'm pretty sure that drew blood. It did. Like, try, he, it did. It did. He got smoked by the cat lady. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Oh well, since we're talking about BP, I think we should get into today's. Golden Golden nugget. nugget. So today's golden nugget, we want to talk about networking and the importance of it in building your real estate business and yeah again what we brought are you saying we've brought this up before no but it, it's it's just emphasizing the importance of it now like you can't hear it enough because it's you need to hear it more than once because if it if it isn't said more than once it's because it's not good that's, what I'm, that's basically what i'm trying to say yeah no i feel you man so uh i want to i want to just highlight something and people are probably like okay we get it networking is important but you got to do it man because like uh, i'll give you an example so we went uh 
uh, Ted and and I went to BPCon, Bigger Pockets Conference, which this year is in San Diego, which we just got back from. And we went last year in New Orleans, and we had what twenty people from Omaha, probably at least twenty people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I'll just I'm going to pick out one example out of this. I had dinner uh, one night. We all kind of the Omaha peeps all got together and had dinner, and I am now. So I met Andrea and Axel Foley that night in that conference. I'd never met him before in my life. Oh, I didn't know that. And we're now business partners. That would have never happened had I not attended the in, bigger, the in, BP con. In one of the biggest deals that you have done to date. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted to bring that up because I hear all the time, and I know you do too, and I get it, and everybody's busy and whatever, but people are like, oh, I'm too busy. I can't go to the meetup, or I can't do this and whatever. And you, you see people that are really successful uh, that go to these things, and it's like you I don't know, man. What are your thoughts on this? Like, you you have to make time to go to these things because you just don't know who you're going to meet. Well, besides making time, you got to put a plan to it. Like, yes. Okay, so when we went, when we were talking about going to that one, we were in episode probably eight, nine, or ten of of this podcast. Yeah, new, we, we were still new, and yeah. we were completely copying our you know bigger pockets, you know the best podcasts in, uh, out there, right? Yep, in and, real estate. And, yep, and, and we did it, and we did it as a complete joke. Having fun, trying to be hyper local. It was right? like a parody yeah. of uh, Bigger Pockets, basically. Yeah. So if you listen to our first like ten episodes, you, you know the sound quality is not great because we didn't have the equipment we have now, and we were just doing a parody, like you said. But when we went to that, uh, when we went to that event, we, you and I talked, and we sat down. Like I'm going specifically to learn, and that's why I told you, and you, you, we were on the same page to learn about podcasting. Yeah. So I literally picked out every single breakout session that either. Um, had specifically to do with podcasting or had somebody from the podcast that I wanted to listen to mm-hmm. so I could have an opportunity to, to go. Every one of those events, unless I absolutely couldn't for some reason, I was in the very front row. Yeah. Because I wanted to take it all in. I wanted that person to know I was there. And then afterwards, in every one of those events, I went talk to the speaker too. Mm-hmm. So you and I talked to we talked to David we talked to Brandon we talked to the host uh, or the the producer of BP at the time yep um, we talked Chris Clothier we spent what thirty minutes talking to him probably yeah I mean we yeah, he's a stud I mean we we had some great conversations there and met people that were like you know mind blowing and I and I truly truly think that we grew. From that situation. Ted, what's your approach? And you're way better at this than I am. But you, I know you have reached out to a bunch of people that are doing big deals on Instagram and social media in general. And and you, like you said, you, you have a tendency to sit in the front row and you go up and you introduce yourself. What do you say to people that are like that, that have a limited amount of time that you're probably a little intimidated by? What is your you know, elevator pitch or what, what do you say to them to not come across as a douchey fanboy? Well, I, I, I don't have an elevator pitch. I, I, I go into each situation with a pre-written out question from watching them for the last hour. Okay. So I write out my questions and then if I can't get it answered in the group setting, then I'm taking that question to them. So I'm not going and wasting my time with introductions because they don't give two shits who we are. Yeah. They, 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 they want to, they're, they're going to answer your question, move on, and maybe you have the opportunity to create something out of that 
to be able to uh, keep the conversation going, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Fortunately, we had David Green come into town at that time just a few months prior. Yep. And he came and spoke at our local RIA group. Uh, and so because of that, I had some ends with talking about those, you know, that situation, which allowed us to have further conversations. Or we were um, – so we – I work for a, a large KW branch here in town, and I was able to go to Jay Papazon, for instance, and, and Wendy Papazon, which are, uh, you know, what, vice president of – or they wrote the one. They were co-writer the one, one thing, thing yeah, and, 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 and Gary, several other books. Gary yep. Keller's business partners. Yep. And anyway, I was able to go right to them and start talking Keller Williams after I asked my question. Yep. And, and we we talked to Wendy for a while. Wendy was like, awesome. Yeah, she, we talked to her for probably twenty minutes. She's she, cool, genuine, multiple, just, multiple times. Yeah, approachable. And yeah. then she she introduced us to Jay. Yeah. I mean, if you. If you go to events like this, it can be as much as you want or as little as you want. Yeah, you're right. You could be the guy that's just getting drunk every night or the gal is getting drunk every night and just sitting in the back room and just like just sitting there and wasting your money away. Or you can be the person that's front facing, trying to get in every single room with these people and creating a name for yourself and absorbing it all. Don't be don't try to be the person that you're teaching them something because you're really not. They they're up there because they know their shit. No, the other the other aspect of this, though, that we're not really talking about is the fact that you're going to meet all kinds of people that aren't speakers and so forth. Right. So you can just strike up a random conversation with somebody and they may be doing like huge things or, you know, maybe they're a newbie and they want to learn and and you make connections there. And over time, those connections build. And especially if you stay in touch with people like I met. You know, like the first BP con I went to was in Nashville, and I met uh, several people there that I still stay in touch with. You know, one from Alaska, one's from Kansas City, you know, like one's from Ohio. Uh, so I just think pick, you know, you can't go to all of them, obviously, but pick some good ones to go to, spend some time on that. And then your, your goal on these should be just meet with a couple of good, have good quality conversations with a couple of people in each setting that you're in. Right. So you can't just do like, you know, speed dating because nobody gets anything out of that. You don't just hand your business card out to everybody, but have really good quality conversations with a few people, not a ton. Well, and, and you're going to you're going to, you know, build relationships out of that. Now, when you're hearing this, of course, we, we just got back from it literally this day. So um, we'll have some follow up episodes where we're going to be talking about this quite a bit. But what, a couple things that we're excited about is that, you know, Sarah Weaver, which was on a previous episode, she she has a new book coming out that they're, they're going to potentially they're going to might even have pre done copies before they're on sale while they're there. I've been so talk- it's going to be a bigger pockets publishing yep. uh, book. Yep. Okay. And cool. So Sarah um, and, I, and I've been talking to Sarah consistently. And so, you know, we're going to hang out with Sarah at some point while we're in, in there. This way we're working it out right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, I'm her uncle. And, so, yep. And, uh, and Megan Ahern is down there and she's staying with Brandon Turner and the whole group in, in the same house. Yeah. That's and, pretty cool. And so we're going to hang out with Megan. Hopefully we can use that resource to hang out with the rest of them. Uh, I mean, there's there's other resources and people that we're we've been chatting with, and so we're going to try to put ourselves in that mix. But personally, what I'm getting to, my point is, my goal really is to focus on uh, short term rentals. So I'm gonna do this time around. I'm gonna do all the short term rental courses. If there's a podcast course that's not, that's not while there's a short term, I'll do the podcast class. But that's gonna be my focus is short term rentals. Sarah Weaver and and Megan and the other people doing short term rentals. I'm gonna try to uh, put myself around. And, and learn as much as I can in that one specific area. Yeah, love it, man. What's going to be your one goal while you're there? Uh, my one goal is just to make some quality connections with uh, people that I can develop relationships with. Um, I really, beyond that, uh, you know, we have kind of a, what, 
we're not going to talk about it, but we have kind of a big deal uh, that may happen out of this. And and it, and you'll, I'm hoping this comes through because I'm I don't want to even say anything about it. Yep. But this we have a big deal brewing here that you guys are going to freaking love. So uh, we're excited about it. But my yeah, my goal is I just want to make some more connections. Uh, I want to learn a few things. Um, I'm not going there with uh, huge expectations of it, but I'd like to um, you know meet some of the the you know speakers and so forth too. Yeah. I think that'll be cool. And hopefully we can get some people that we meet there to buy on a potential podcast because Denless is coming. Denless is going to be yeah. there. BP Con number one for the big guy. And, yep. And he's going to bring his equipment. Maybe we can have some short interviews with, uh, with random people over there. So that was my that was my idea because I know you guys are already focused on what you want to get out of it. So I won't try to bother you to do any kind of like interviews or anything because you'd be doing your thing. So my plan is to probably like walk with this tripod and, and a camera and just go up to people and ask them and probably pick like five questions randomly, a kind of 15 minute quick thing and see how many people I could get um, for interviews. I think you should just wear the tripod around your neck, like a, like Flava Flav with that big clock. And you just say, and it says, we'll podcast for, uh, for food or something like that. Like that's what you got. That's what you should do. Yeah. yeah. I, I just I have see, a t-shirt that says that. I would see if I could get something like that. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen, but. But yeah, so, so that's my idea. I mean, I have um, breakout sessions that are focused on like house hacking and perfect, uh, like a lot of newbie stuff. Yep, with probably one or two um, more advanced stuff because yes, I'm a newbie with re- with respect to experience, but with respect to knowledge, I think I'm not a newbie. Like I know some stuff, so I, I want to see how much I know by sitting in in these intermediate um, sessions. So. Dude, I want to ask you this. You've okay, so we've done um, fifty nine episodes now, right, uh, of Rio Radio, and you've gotten to sit in and participate and and talk to all of the guests that we've had that have had you know wonderful levels of experience and varying levels of experience, varying levels of investing and and asset classes and so forth. What do you what do you think of all? I mean, how much have you learned in the last year? I have learned so much in this last year. Just uh, you know, interviewing people, I love it, man. I I feel like I have a cheat code to advancing my own knowledge just by listening to all these smart people that we have in here. I freaking love it. The, the whole idea of me being around all this experience and hearing these different people's experiences, not one person has the exact same experience that I have. But I could take something from every person and try to apply it to my life. And that's, to me, that that, that is what taking things with a pinch of salt is, I guess. You know, like listening to everybody's story and trying to apply it. How can you apply their solutions to your current situation? And that, that that's what I'm doing right now. I'm just trying to figure out. But I have learned, to answer your question, I, ha- I have learned a lot from these people, a lot. Yeah, it's been so fun, man. Yeah, yeah it really has been. Well, I mean, that's what it's all about here. I mean, wh- when it comes to having these guests on here, for me, it's been relationship building. I've learned a lot of lessons. I've taken a lot of notes. But I've created re- I've created such deeper relations with the guests. And, they, and, and I could tell you that I would feel that almost every guest we've had, I would consider a friend. Yeah, same same here. And 
I mean, not, we've had 60 people, almost 60 people on, and they're all, yeah, I would, I would consider all of them friends. Pro- probably 120 hours of podcasting. Yeah, well, you, you spend eight hours uh, with somebody and <laughs> talk about their entire life. They're probably going to be a little bit of a bonding uh, situation I mean, you two there. definitely know a lot about me and vice versa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, we're excited to give you more details about this trip, and you'll get these in future episodes, like I said. I feel like this is probably one of the most valuable golden nuggets that you could take out of this is is networking because it's all about your self growth. I but, agree, hundred percent. I will beat that horse to death. By the way, so well, without any further ado, let's get into the podcast with Travis, Travis Wiswell. Do people Did, tell you, Travis, that you have the best name ever? You know, I got made fun of a lot, Wizard Wiz. Um, but I don't know. I get Griswold a lot of things. So yeah, hey, um, I, I was I was uh, Teddy Bear, Teddy Graham, Teddy Rockspin, Teddy Rockspin. Yeah, Rockspin. Rock, the, the dancing doll, yeah, robot doll. Yes, he's so cute. Oh, he's just a little, just a little fuzzy, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Ted Lasso now that you have the mustache. Yeah, yeah. The, the lasso's been going pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, I don't worry. I'm right there with you, buddy. Yeah. So to give you guys a little backstory. Uh, Travis, when I first got into real estate, uh, roughly six years ago, uh, Travis was one of the first clients that I worked with, and I believe we met at the RIA, if I'm if I remember right. I met you, uh, it was my second deal. My second deal, I was looking um, for a house, and you were a brand new agent. And um, yeah, that's that's what we met. And Just, you're, you're like, uh, this rookie agent seems like yeah. he, 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 I can take advantage of him, get a really good deal. Uh, Newbies yeah. unite. <laughs> yep, for sure. <laughs> And uh, but yeah, one thing I liked your story. Well, my wife's a teacher, and you were a yeah. teacher also, right? Yeah. And yeah. how long have you been a teacher? Yeah, for? I was at that point. I had been teaching, um, you know, at least at least ten years. So I taught I taught seventeen years total. I did a, a mix of high school and middle school, um, and so yeah, I had no intention of doing real estate. That was the furthest thing from my mind. So yeah, I was a I was a middle school Spanish teacher. Um, that sounds painful. My wife's a middle school teacher. Yeah. So I, I know the um, pain. It was fun. It was fun for, for a few years, you know, but it got hard. So, um, yeah, teaching was teaching um, was my bread and butter. That's what I did. And now, were you always teaching uh, in Omaha or at, are, you from, are you from Omaha? Yeah, originally? I'm from Norfolk. Okay. Norfolk, yeah. Um, Norfolk, not North Fork or Nor- Norfolk. 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 Okay. Norfolk. It's kind of. You're yeah. like, you're like our, our third Norforker. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good people. Good peeps. Yeah. So what brought you to Omaha then? Um, I went to school at UNK out in Western Nebraska. I went to UNK. Come on, Ted. <laughs> was it was it UNK? Was, like, was it UNK when you went there? It was. Yeah. I'm not that old because it was like it was Carney State for a while. Yeah. You know, um, that's so, a, that's the Lopers, a, right? Yeah. yeah the Lopers. Yep. And I, I uh, lived in the CTE. Oh yeah, I was in CTW. Oh, CTE was a girls' dorm. Well, no, it was it was, it was by it, it, every other floor was a different. Uh, oh, was it? Yeah, they did no. by floor when I did was they? there. Okay, so I was in 1995. That okay. was my freshman year. So I was there in 2000 as a junior. Did I learn some things about you? Because I w- I graduated in 2001, so I was only there in 2000 for the last my last semester. I lived in Case Hall the whole like the okay. whole time. Oh yeah, I did CTW and then Case Hall. So- Case was, I thought, Case was what, like an international. The foreigners, dorm. yeah. Yep, and I and I love those dudes, and like that was I really love because I love to travel, and I was I was a Spanish major, so for me to hang out, um, and you in CTW, you had to live in a dorm with people, and I just didn't want to share. I didn't want to share like I don't know with a sweet mate, and so you, 
and I didn't want a roommate. So Case Hall was like the one place you could be alone. Mm-hmm. I uh, uh, I was a pike denner also. So that oh, was, okay. Those were some fun stories. No, there. I kept my nose clean, dude. When I got to college, I just <laughs> uh, didn't do that. So. Oh, I have some good uh, carting stories. I'll tell you off yeah. air here. My wife went to school there too, and she was an education uh, oh, major. Met, that's right, I met her there. No, you did not. <laughs> She's my Mrs. Robinson. Nice. She's a little older than you, Ted. <laughs> She's not older than you. Yes, she is. Is she really? Yeah. yeah. But she looks so much younger. I know. <laughs> I know. Look like an old catcher's mat, don't I? <laughs> That's anyway, <laughs> so teaching. So you did that for 17 years. Now, yeah. just Spanish, or did you have any other, um, other you know, actually, They actually asked me at one point, would you do this financial money management class? And I thought, that's not really my wheelhouse. I didn't really have a good... Uh, education background. I mean, like money education background at that point. And um, that was in 2007. And I started teaching this one class uh, to middle schoolers about money management. And I thought I'd make it fun. We would do equities. And so I taught the kids like, you know, we would do a portfolio game on how to how to invest. And it was interesting. I taught this class like uh, two times a day to middle schoolers. And um, I did that basically 12 times a year because we we had like a hexter class where the kids would only be there six weeks or 12 weeks and they would get new students. So I actually taught this money management class like 140 times over. And to make it interesting, I would just bring in all kinds of things. And it's funny how it works because I feel like that teaching that class made me more savvy in the money world, you know? And I began... Towards the end, you know, when I was doing my rental properties, I was like teaching these kids, you know, about rental portfolios. And like, as I was growing in my own knowledge of how to manage money, right. And just finances, it was cool. I was like imparting that. And that, and the kids said like, they really, if I see my old students, they will remember me more for that class that Mm. I taught than, you know. Um, So it's funny because I started out my career, not really having any kind of techs or any kind of money savviness. And by the end of my career, like that was like the paramount thing that I, that I wanted, right. Is to have that, that skill. Now, did you end up buying any properties while you were teaching? Is that, yeah, so I you did, did that as yep. a side yep. hustle basically? Yeah. Yep. I did that. Um, you know, it kind of came to a point where I needed, I needed a secondary income. I needed something to kind of help me. Uh, you know, I have a lot of kids, a lot of responsibility in well, teaching. How many kids did yeah, you have when, I got, you, when you started, uh, when you bought your first house, though, my first rental property, yeah. I had all my five kids. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. I mean, I have five beautiful girls, and uh, my kids were little at that time. I was probably into my like twelfth or thirteenth year of teaching. Five kids, yeah. Five, I'm just stuck on that. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> five girls, and you have what? I have two girls. I, 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 for some reason, I'm thinking three, but yeah, two. yeah. So I have one girl. Yeah, <laughs> one boy, one girl, yeah. but. <laughs> I call it, you know, I call it my unfair advantage. You know, everybody has something. They come from money. They they have like this great intelligence. I was a horrible student uh, in high school. Like I I don't even know how I got to college. Really, it was kind of like I think at that point they just wanted they wanted your money. They needed like they needed their numbers up, and so I got into college. So um, you know. I was just overwhelmed. I mean, they let Ted in. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I never finished. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I think I had 13 credits or something left if I want to finish. But my, un- my unfair advantage, the thing that really got me into real estate was I had a lot of kids and I had a lot of responsibility, you know, and my... And you have a lot of weddings to pay for in the yes, future. It, yes. It, it, there was a moment really where my life changed. Like it was like a... I had like this nuclear moment where I realized... And I was looking for something to kind of, because I wasn't really happy in teaching. 
And so I needed something, uh, kind of a pivot and I just didn't know where to turn. And I had this kind of a nuclear moment where I realized it's real estate, you know, this is cool. How, how, how? like what, um, you know, so a, a, I had, um, I found I had a, I have a genetic condition. I have a genetic like health condition that like my dad died when he was in his early fifties. My grandpa died in his like mid sixties. And I had this, this genetic health condition. So you're dealt already like a really bad hand. And so I had that sort of pressure on me when I was um, probably in my mid, uh, late 20s. And so I was always aware of my mortality. You know, I had this challenge. And then, um, you know, my wife loves babies and we just began having, you know, more kids. And, and then you, you find yourself like you can't, you can't perceive like what it's going to look like 10 years from now. And these kids are so cute and so beautiful. And it's like, and then you start realizing, like I told my wife, I said, I, I, I'm realizing that in the distance of our life, like it looks like we're on this flat plane and this, and like this train is traveling. It's very peaceful. We have these little, you have these beautiful little children, but I just saw in the distance that like, it looked like it was, you know, clouds, but as you get closer, like as you're getting closer to East or Western Colorado, you begin to see in the distance, like those are actually mountains, do you know? And I saw uh, ahead, my life was going to get a lot harder. I was single income, five kids, kind of unhappy teaching. And um, I just, I kind of had a panic moment with my wife. And I said, we've got to do something. Like we're barely making it. I was like doing after school duties and just trying to hustle. And and I did a little paintless dent repair and just trying to like make some extra money, you know? And um, it was like, I remember the day, the day I had this epiphany, it was like Mother's Day of, of 2016. And my wife had some health conditions herself. And I, and I, and I just like had this like mental breakdown. Oh, and I was also about ready to get fired. So my school district had gone through um, some budget cuts and they said, um, Hey, we don't know if you're going to have your job next year. That definitely isn't happening right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's an interesting time. And then they go, but if you do have a job, I think we're going to move you to a new school. And um, could you also teach a different subject? And so you kind of realize that um, you're not in control, right? It's like third-party risk. Somebody else controls your future. And I thought, I've got to fire them before they fire me. You know, like I've got to fix this. And so um, I had this realization. I was like, what is it? And like that moment, that day, I just – there was like a nuclear thing that happened to me where I said, I'm going to solve this and I'm doing it now, whatever. So there was a guy my, my, that taught my daughter. Uh, he was, he was a, a soccer coach. And I'm like, Wayne, like Wayne drives a BMW. Wayne travels. He's my age. Like, how does Wayne do it? And like one of my friends said, Wayne has rental properties. And it just, <laughs> it was just awesome how some things are so divine at one moment. And I was like, the teacher was, the, 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 the student was ready for the teacher, you know, and boom. I was like, honestly, like in the shower, and I thought, I'm doing real estate. And like the next day, I found. I love that epiphany. I mean, you just yeah. told this whole story, and, I, and I'm driving down this highway, I'm seeing these clouds come yeah. in, and then you just brought it into the shower. I love how descriptive you are. With yeah, this. yeah. And I just, and I, and I honestly, I was like in the garage, and I was like searching like podcasts because I knew I needed education. Like, I had no idea. I had read Rich Dad, uh, Poor Dad, Rich Dad, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? At yep. some point, but like it didn't, it didn't click, right? Oh, it's real estate. Um, and I found bigger pockets. And literally 2016, I listened to hundreds. I bet you, I think it was like 170 episodes over that summer. I, I knew that education wow. was the one thing I didn't have. Like, how do you do it? 
And I just began to like go crazy, read books, education. And I think by that fall, I, um, I had my first property and that's when I had met you later on that, maybe that year and bought my second property. So, um, I was wondering, do you have any, uh, like mutant superpowers or anything with this genetic, uh, thing that you have uh no i mean no. um no it's just, it's like it's, a it's like it's all bad it's something in the in the pancreas yeah it just oh, produce, okay. it produces issues you know and so i mean it's something i can it's something that like isn't a instantaneous issue it just it becomes a complication in your life you know so it's kind of cool like you look at all these things you can you can sit there and, and complain about it like oh my gosh this sucks but really for me it was one of these things that like i needed all these bad things to sort of spin for me to get motivated because I was just really kind of a, a kid that wasn't highly motivated. I mean, um, I don't know. I, I, I needed, I needed some, some serious pressure, right. To get off the couch and go and do something. And so it was perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm really grateful for all that, all that calamity. So, so would you say that your why is definitely just the stability of your life for the future? Is that what you, is that what got you into this or what do you, yeah. have, a, do you have a personal why? Yeah. I mean, I just, I think when you, when you kind of are faced with your mortality a little bit, you don't, you can't be like, I'm going to have wheelchair wealth. Like I'm going to be 65 <laughs> wheelchair wealth. Yeah. They call that right. It's I'm like, rolling yeah, in yes. money. Yeah, you know? And that's like, that's like what I think I thought I was going to have like, Oh, I'll retire at 60. I'm going to travel at that point. And when you kind of get a, when you kind of get a little bit of a, of an, a fire under you, you realize it's now you can't have wheelchair wealth. Like you've got to do it now. And, and for me, it was at that mortality facing that. And then just also like I would go to weddings and I would see, I would see, uh, these dads step up and be like, and my daughter, my beautiful daughter. And I begin to like picture myself. Oh, that's me. Like, I'm going to be this dad. I got five girls. And I, I began, I became very anxiety about it. And so, yeah. I mean, that was another motivating I get anxiety thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my why. My why was, yeah, just kind of like, it was like momentarily, like I wanted, I wanted to get rid of this pain. Um, I was kind of glad I was, I was actually kind of a really unsuccessful teacher. It, not that I wasn't effective, but I just wasn't happy. Like you want to do your career and be happy. And I would listen to my te my colleagues next door teach. And they were like, this sounded like they were having a blast. And I, I, and I really wasn't. And I'm like, I just wanted to be out of this career because it's just really taxing. Like, and I mean, even now, so it's just really crazy. Hats off to any teacher. I mean, it's a really tough career. And I was in a lot of pain because I just didn't enjoy it. And it was, uh, so that it, the, the why was sort of like both short-term and long-term. I wanted a different lifestyle. Like I wanted to travel. I wanted to do things and I felt very trapped. And so, I mean, I, my life today is 100% different than what it was before. Like, I'm so grateful for real estate because it really has changed my life. You know, I get to spend time with my kids like every day now. So there's a book called The Gap and the Gain. Have you guys heard of this or read it? Mm -hmm. um, basically, uh, well, there, there's a part in the book that talks about where, you know, timelines in your life, right? And when you have uh, basically your, your, doing your day to day. Right. So everybody kind of goes along and they're, they're go through struggles and successes and all that. And you kind of like, you're just, you know, head your, your heads down straight ahead. But I had this, there, there was a part of the book and I'm probably not going to quote this correctly, but it talked about when you are 
in a, a position that you have been working toward for a while. So like, um, I, I related this to my own life, but I'm, I'm living the life of my dreams five years ago. I, I'm, I'm doing what I was dreaming about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I had kind of a holy crap moment when I looked at it that way because it gives you a whole different perspective and appreciation for where you are right now mm-hmm. because everybody's got struggles and things they go through on a day-to-day basis and you don't appreciate really where you are compared to, you know, past you. Yeah. So five years ago, Owen was dreaming about the day that he wouldn't have to go to work in a job that was unsatisfying. And it was, yeah, I made, I made pretty good money at it, but I was wholly unsatisfied in, mm-hmm. in what I was doing for a living and eventually pulled the trigger and all that. And, and, you know, struggled and went through, you know, a lot of challenges with getting businesses going and, and so forth. And, but I really took stock of my own life when I, when I noticed that part of that book and, it gives you a whole different appreciation for where you are right now. I'm, I'm just thinking back right now in that same situation. I'm like, wow, I, I, I don't, I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's kind of mind blowing. I'm, I'm living the life of my, of, of five years ago, Owen, I'm living his dream. I could, that's so cool. I, like, I, I mean, I hate saying it sounds kind of like douchey or whatever, but like, it is freaking cool when I, you look at it that way. Denless, when you look at your life, yeah, like that, what I was just gonna ask you, yeah, tell, like, I mean, I mean, would you ever think five years ago you are right now, and would you be proud of the person? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, five years ago was that was what twenty seventeen. I did have plans to come up to America, but it was on a total different, um, like for a total different reason. It wasn't in in that plan. It was me only coming up to join the Air Force to be a pilot. And no now, kidding! Yeah. I didn't know that. And now, yeah, and now it's it's me and my family coming up here, and I have this this video business, and pretty soon the investment business is going to start. So, well, you know, Dennis's passion is flying. No, I didn't know that. I, like, I thought it was music. It is no. music as well, but it, it really is. It flying was was always a dream of mine, and the only reason I didn't get into it was because of finances. Mm. You're um, only allowed one dream. Denless, okay. <laughs> okay. So, don't get, I, don't well, be greedy. Well, well, I wanted to be a, a pilot that sang on the plane. Yeah, you, nobody yeah. comes. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah. he's got a mic, a mic set up, and is uh, is like Maverick, but singing. You know, when, when you were when you were applying for the the DBG job, you you had a video you made. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Can can you th- can you share that with uh, Owen? I would, I, yeah, I would say. Or can him. you play it before when we're done here tonight? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, would, I have no idea what this is. I'm, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after find it, but yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it was, no. It's like it's like Dennis. He's next to an airplane, and he's talking about his dreams and passions of being a pilot. And oh, that's cool. So I, this is kind of cool. Like yeah. uh, how you've described basically the epiphany you had about being dissatisfied in your career and wanting to make a change, and you got basically to a point where you were. Enough is enough, and yeah. I'm going to do it. So what was your first step in in doing that? You said you picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It didn't really stick. But then you said that dude that's driving the BMW and teaching, what was he teaching? Yeah, it was a soccer coach. Oh. Soccer coach, and he was just traveling, you know? And it's it's just cool where uh, other people can, can sort of covertly – um, inspire you, you know. He didn't know. He didn't know that I was watching him. So you never, you never took him out I, to lunch. I or did. Anything? No, I actually did try. I actually did try, and I called him, um, but he was too busy. 
But you know, so you, he was too busy. You went and talked to him though and said, "Hey, are you doing I real said, estate?" I said, "Can you help me?" And he just said, "Um, hey, I'm busy." He um, big timed you. I'm busy making money. And oh, so God, it's are okay. you serious? You know, you know what? I you re- shouldn't. You should name drop it right now. No, I won't do that. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, name shame. But yeah. uh, you know, you realize you have to have mentors, and you gotta you gotta find somebody, and that's the beauty. Of, like I think. So BP was your mentor, but did you find somebody that was a mentor to you there? No, I mean, I really went on this alone. And I mean, that's why it's kind of, it's kind of a, it was a painful process because it's mentally, I think really this, in this career, it's almost like the mental fatigue is more, more painful than the physical fatigue because you're making decisions when you don't have the confidence. And even if somebody does hold your hand, it's still, you still, it comes down to just like desire and guts. And I think for me trying to teach the responsibility, single income and having to make a decision, like I had a little nest egg, I had some money uh, saved for like you know my first sort of property, and it had to be kind of a cheap property. Um, it was kind of divine how that even how I even got my first deal, you know how well, that so, came. But you said you were kind of like just coasting financially. So how much money do you save up, and okay. how, and how do you get that money saved up? To yeah, do yeah. This? Well, that's that's a great question. So when I was when I was twenty two, my dad had passed away. And um, he had left he had left me some money. He had left me like fifty grand, right? But I kind of just pissed a little bit of it away. I traveled in South America for a year uh, in my when I was early twenties, and I just you know if I was really thinking as an early twenty two year old kid, somebody would have said you got you got fifty grand right now. You can like change your life, and I didn't have that. I didn't have that mentor at that point, and so I spent some of the money having fun. Um, but I did, I was smart enough to sort of invest it in my own, um, just, I opened up a Scott's trade, right? Uh, share builders. On, online brokerage account. Online brokerage account. And my buddy, my good friend, uh, Jeff, he encouraged me, just take this on yourself. Uh, he's like, I'm a financial planner, but you can do it. And and by me kind of like buying some stocks and entering into that financial world without having ever done that before, I just started following the market and I thought... Gosh, it's 2000, it was like 2008 and things had collapsed, you know, and I began buying equities, you know, and then I watched it rise up and I'm like, oh, I actually doubled my money. So I had maybe 20, maybe 30, 30 or $40,000 to begin with on my first property. But, you know, when you take that and I remember hitting that button, like liquidate all of it, right? I liquidated it. Boom. And it's like, that's the mental pain. It's like, are you making a mistake? Are you sure you want to re- you want to liquidate this? Do you do you have enough in you to figure this out? And so, armed with you know a bunch of bigger pockets podcasts, I've got enough money to be dangerous. I just got to make the good decisions. And so, my first deal was pretty awesome. Um, it was like the perfect it was like the perfect deal for me, you know. But it, it just involved a bunch of sweat equity. It was a really crappy house. I tell you what, my uh, when I did my first uh, rehab house, mm-hmm. uh, I cashed in my four hundred one k. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? I know I'm gonna have to pay huge tax dividends on it, but I was like, I'm confident enough that I can find a deal that will offset the losses that I'm, gonna, I'm taking this out, and it's gonna get me started. Yeah, and I'm gonna have I'm gonna have my first you know renovation done. So. Tell me a little bit more about that first property. Where are some of the numbers on it, and yeah, and what's it what's it doing for you? Yeah, I mean, everybody looks like a genius when you're buying houses in 2016. I don't think I could replicate that kind of success because the market has been my tailwind, right? I mean, I'm not like a I'm not an excellent deal finder, but I think when you're when you're buying early enough, 
um, you just look like a genius. I bought a house uh, from a colleague of mine. Uh, she overheard me just talking about a one. It was 2016, like first week of school of teaching. And she overheard me talking to another friend about, oh, I want to buy a house. I need a house. This is my path, you know. And she said, Travis, I overheard you talking about buying a house. Would you buy my mother's, my deceased mother's house? And I said, well, where's it at? She said, it's in South Omaha. And I and it's down on 16th Street. Would you come take a look at it? And I said, uh, Julia, how much do you want for it? She said, 40000 And I went to go look at it. Think about that on, on uh, in South Omaha. I went to go look at it, and it was an absolute dumpster. Like, it was just full <laughs> of like... It like, was a dumpster. It was like... Um, it was a hoard. It was a hoarder house, like legitimately hoarder house. The basement was so full of electronics that you could only you only had maybe about uh, eight inches of a walkway, and uh, had some water damage, so things were moldy. Um, it was, but I said I'd give you twenty thousand for it, and I was hoping she would say no, no. but she said yes. And I go, <laughs> oh no, I have to buy this thing, <laughs> and I and it was like original everything right original and like i went in the basement and like i went to turn the light on and it began to spark like <laughs> and i thought oh no it's gonna burn down it's gonna burn down and i was like oh uh, maybe, i got my insurance yet <laughs> yeah maybe it could burn down and i was like maybe it should burn down no i mean i but it literally, literally almost like the basement like it was it was uh really an unsafe place but anyhow so it's just really divine like how that happened i get a twenty thousand dollar house and then I had I had a friend of a friend, this this awesome Hispanic dude, uh, it was like my mentor to like fix things. And he's like, Travis, I'm gonna help you. And um, he just held my hand. What do you say in Spanish? He's, yeah. No, he actually spoke he speak, spoke English. Okay. Oh, right. It would have been a um, really good dynamic. Yeah, he no, just said no, Spanish. Said, I'm right gonna there. help you. Uh, it's awesome as Salvadorian dude. <laughs> he puts on his Spanish accent. That's what I get. I'm gonna help you. So he held my hand, my first property. Like he did all the work for me. I just watched, you know. I, and I had I had some tools, but I had like a sedan. So like I didn't have like all the things. But I just had I just had a desire. I thought I'm gonna make this work, whatever it takes, you know. So I would just teach. I would teach till three thirty, four o'clock, and then I would go to that house, and I just did this all through the winter. I fixed it up, you know. He did the heavy lift, and I just did all the other stuff. And it took you know probably five months before I got a I got a renter in there, and then using my Spanish, like I was already I spoke Spanish, so I'm in South Omaha and. It was just very natural. Like all of a sudden, I had a lot of Hispanic people that wanted to rent it, and then when you open your hand, something like is really dynamic. You open your hand, and somebody gives you cash, and it's like all that hard work that you did. It like that, just like it's like a dog receiving the treat, and it's imprinted. Like it's repeatable. I want to keep doing that, that trick for that treat, and I just became addicted. I, I was thinking about my my week when you were talking about the offer that you made and basically you didn't want to have buyer's remorse when she said I'll take four you know I want I want forty for it. Yeah. And you gave more or less an apologetic offer of twenty. Mm-hmm. And uh I this week made offers on houses that I did exactly that same thing and of the two houses that we got under contract this week, we were $50,000 apart on each one of them. 
mm-hmm. on what we offered and what they were asking. And they accepted both. Wow. So we ended up mm-hmm. getting uh, – well, actually, okay, so I, I take that back. They were – Forty thousand dollars a piece. One wanted two fifty, and we're buying it for two ten. One wanted one ninety, and we're buying it for one fifty. And I I wanted to highlight that because people have a tendency a lot of times to be uncomfortable in making an offer, even when they're dealing with a motivated seller. The motivated seller wants you to make an offer. They want you to tell them what you'll pay for it, yeah. even if it is insulting in your perspective. Yeah. Because I think that's the fear is like you don't want somebody to freak out on you or be like, oh, well, that's just terrible offer or whatever, which does happen sometimes. Yeah. But you got to have the guts to do it and be like, look, this I know this isn't going to work for you, but here's the most I can pay. And then you may may explain why or you may not, but the reaction they have, it, they may be like, oh, that's way – no way. That's way too low. And then you let it sit. Mm-hmm. And then they may call you in a day or two and say, you know what? I'll, I'll take it. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I just they, It depends on how much pain they're in. Yeah. Right? So I, I love that. Mm-hmm. It was your very first deal and you lowballed them by 50% basically of what they were asking, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, well, I knew it would be a lot of work. Yeah, you know? sure. I mean, I literally went through like four or five 20 uh, yard dumpsters. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Like, it was so much work. And, um, but it was a perfect, it was a perfect first deal. You, you know, learned, learned a ton. The sweat equity. I was able to just to hustle my way out of it. So where did you end up on it? Did you end up selling it? Did you keep no, it? I kept it. I mean, I literally have the same renter so as I So did you do a cash out refi? I did a cash out refi. Yeah. So then that, that's where the education piece came in. Because if, if you don't know what you're doing, you're just going to buy one and done. But when you have a little bit of education, you realize, oh, there's this thing called burr, right? Buy with cash. Uh, you're going to rehab. You're going to rent it, refinance, repeat. And so I just did that. Um, and so that then, you know, that one bought because that was kind of a home run, right? What, what, did, what did it appraise for when you when you refi? Um, that one it was like 90 or something like that. 90 you know? grand? Yeah. What would you have in it? Yeah, like 20 plus 20, probably 20,000 in rehab. So, you know, the numbers were really good. Mm-hmm. The numbers were really good on it. You know, I pulled out the cash. But what's it worth today? Uh, probably over a hundred, over a hundred. I mean, it still needs it still needs a little bit of love. Is it Little Bohemia area? Um, no, it's just a uh, little west. It's like yeah, further like down on like M Street around okay. there. Uh-huh. So um, I have a four two right over there, nineteenth mm-hmm. and L, and that and that which is right right in that same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And right now, I feel very confident I can sell that for uh, close to two hundred thousand. Really. Yeah, this is a little uh, a little two bed. It's two, two it's, a, it's a two bed, but like it's got a it has it's three bed, but really, I mean, it's like an obsolete you know bedroom. So it's um, so a three one. So that that a three one in that area should be going one forty one fifty five right now. Probably so. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It needs a love in the I mean, interior. You're, you're real city. Yeah. Yeah. Know, it so. needs it needs some love. But okay. it's Still great. Now, um, so you you had forty k into this deal mm-hmm. when you bought it originally. Did you use all cash? Yeah, all cash. You're, so all the money that I've you had always, saved up. I've always done all cash, just because that gives you the greatest advantage when you go to buy. You know, no one, nobody has to look at the deal. No bank has to go. Well, let's get it appraised. I mean, I just always just buy cash. Okay, so you bought it, bought it for cash, put twenty k into it. Was that also your own money? Yeah. Okay, yep. so you had forty grand yep. in your very first deal yep. out of pocket. Yep. Were you? Stressed, worried, absolutely, you, yeah, yeah. Because because you know we were we were just kind of living paycheck to paycheck, right? I mean, I had, I had. Was your wife like, dude? 
what the hell? I don't know. I think <laughs> she, was, like, she was just really quiet. Like, we need diapers, man. Yeah. You're, we got you're, an, I'm sure we got another baby coming. I mean, she would just say, she would just say like, um, well, I trust you. I trust you. But I know she didn't, you know I mean? She's like, show me, show me how it's going to be done. Um, my so, wife, my wife was stressed out of my, actually my first three. Really? Yeah. Uh, and if you include my grandma's house with my first four, just because it was like everything. And then I remember when I bought this building right here that you're in. Um, beside, uh, I did a hard money loan for 30 days, but mm-hmm. then I went into a construction loan and, and then I, I put in quite a bit of cash up front and, she, and I drained out like our savings account and part of our checking account. And she's like, this wasn't supposed to happen. Well, there was just some, mis- there was some misleading information on the, <laughs> on the closing stuff that was not, that was anyways, misinformed. And, uh, long story short, I was like, I was like, babe, this is going to be a home run. Don't worry. We're going to come out of it. And and for you know for a solid year during covid which you know real estate sales were not good and that's my that was my bread and butter that's what paid the bills mm-hmm. you know you know we were like scraping by you know, and i put a lot of money on credit debt to kind of make this through mm-hmm. and she's like i hope you know what you're doing you know yeah <laughs> and, god that yeah that is stress and, man and, and that's what it is though but a new investor the the first in my opinion, if you're actively buying and going, that your first two to three years is not easy, mm-hmm. and it could be some of the most stressful years of your life if you don't have ca- if you don't have you know abundant amount of cash as you're trying to build this. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this for a minute. Yeah. Oh boy, that was close. Um, you're how like Jenny, your wife, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. is she involved at all in your business? Yeah, I mean, you know, she she actually stays home. I mean, she has a little part time job now, um, just to get her out of the house. But she homeschooled our kids, right? Oh, so that okay. was that was kind of our also our the impetus. Like I, I wanted her to you know stay home, so she couldn't really she didn't have the ability to go out and and, and earn an income at that point. Um, so yeah, she just kind of watched me and just said, um, I I know we're in a bad situation. Um, maybe not not immediately, but like that mountain, like that that uh, incline is coming where things are going to get hard. Because my kids were just starting to play sports. You saw those mountains. Yeah. And I thought, oh, they're playing sports. That sounds expensive. Oh. And then she's like, I think one day I want to send them to private school. And I was like, oh, what? Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. You know? And so it just got every- That's stressful. It just got every every year it got something. Like, can I put the girls in gymnastics? I'm like, what? And so um, <laughs> all those experiences were motivating for me to take that risk, right? And so she knew. She's like, you got to do something. And-, and um. I wasn't just going to go trade my time for money. You know, I didn't want to go get another part. I didn't get a part-time job. I wanted a system that was going to be going to take care of me. And I just had to systematically build that thing, you know? And so really education was, was the key to that. Now, did, did she ever like, did, she join you in listening to any of those or was she like, that's your thing. I'll support you. Yeah. We, we need, we need to get the, we need to make something work. Yeah. Here. She was, so as, go get them tiger. She was as overwhelmed as I was, you know, like when you got five kids, she had, we had five kids under 10, you know, like, oh my God. like I can't, no, I can't you. talk to her and be like, Hey, I heard this really great thing about uh, financing and like, she, she didn't have the space for it. So I didn't really even have an outlet. I didn't have, yeah, a, yeah. I didn't have like a mentor. And so I think if I could have done it again, it would have been great to like, but I didn't have time for a mentor either, you know, to have like a coffee date and like, here's how it's done. Well, you and I talked a lot, but I was also in very much the learning side of it still. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was doing performance with you and, yeah. and we were looking at investments, but I, you know, I had one investment that my grandmother lived in that I wasn't a true rental property. Yeah. And so I wasn't a good mentor at that time. We were just getting started at the same time, really. I mean, like your first yeah. kind of property and my property and. 
Interesting. Yeah. Six years later. But Travis, let me ask you something, right? Sure. Um, at that point in time when you had that photograph in, what if it didn't work out? What is what, what, like, what did you have like a, yeah, that, backup plan. That forty grand wasn't like a retirement account. It was just a non—they call it a non-qualified account. It's just like you know, it, it's your pipe dream money, and I wasn't like living off of it. So if it failed, I just would do what I kept doing. You know, like I, I just would have figured it out. You wouldn't have had a safety net though. You've like burned, no. you burned your net. Yes, but no, the, right. all in. But but nice thing about real estate is, is that you're not. You're, I mean, you're not gonna lose it all. No, but I, I can now see, like, what I've learned here, fast forward, I've learned that there are so many risks that you don't know. And it's good you don't know. It's like if somebody told you all the things that could happen, okay, you wouldn't do it. You'd be paralyzed. And I kind of like, it was kind of nice to be a little bit ignorant. And I just, I, when you're, when you don't have a lot of chips, you can just like, you can just shove them all in the center, you know? Because <laughs> like, you're not going to get, you're not going to get very far at the table if you don't take some risks. So, I, I if I failed or didn't fail, I didn't care. Like I didn't have enough skill. All I could do is just like my skill. My skill was my ability to risk, you know. And um, I I just became really good at, at taking risks. Uh, and you and you just have to when you don't have a lot of resources. So that is my favorite game, by the way. Risk is it? Yeah, yeah, that's a long game. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm thinking of um a lot of times where I have bought a project or bought a house or a property. And something happens that's like, it's amazing to me that I've been doing this for 17 years and I still almost all the time come across stuff that I've never dealt with before. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Right. You would think you had seen it all by now, but like, and, and I think back to times where I've really, I'm like, WTF do I do here? You know what I mean? Like this is, I have no idea. Like I, and, and you don't really know who to talk to or whatever, but then you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you end up selling or refinancing or whatever, and you get through it, you push through. Yeah. So I think a, a lot of this business is just your ability to believe in yourself and the willingness to basically, you know, bear down and, and, uh, bully through any obstacles that come up. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's, they never stop. I yeah. mean, there are, are always going to be challenges with this business. Yeah. Um, so you bought how many properties while you were teaching before you ended up, you know, saying hasta la vista? I think about maybe maybe nine or ten. See how I worked in some Spanish? Yeah, it was pretty good. Hasta la vista, baby. Uh, I I was probably at nine or ten, I think. Really? And then I, I it's funny. I had it on a piece of paper. Like, I'm not super organized to have, like, spreadsheets. You know how some dudes are, like, very, like, analytical and they have the spreadsheet, things like that. Like, my math skills and all that. I just had little little pieces of uh, um, paper. And I had like, it was basically my life plan. And, and I kept it like in my desk drawer at school. And it was like sort of my solace. Oh, on stickies? Sticky notes. It was like my solace. Open like, up the drawer, they're all yeah, falling the, out. Yeah, 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 these sticky Your notes. Dream, and, like, don't throw away my dreams in the trash. And, and it would be like, it would be like my, my it would be my, my escape plan. Like I knew I, I had to like methodically get, it's like I wrestled, I wrestled in middle school, you know, and like I would get pinned really easy and like they, they would call you the fish. And I had this coach that would be like, he like get on the ground and look <laughs> the at me. Fish. He he look he look he'd look at me. And his name is uh, Tony Brown. He would say, "Travis, get off your back," you know. And I would just be like, "I give up." And he's like, "You gotta like put your hand here. You get on your belly. You grab you grab his wrist." And like for me, feeling very pinned down, you know, like I feel like I'm on my back, dude. 
Like I've got all these issues and I had to like methodically get out of this. And so for me, it was like my little sticky note was like, like, like telling myself, here's step one. You're going to, you're going to buy this house with cash. And I had all the numbers of how to like repeat this. And it was funny because my, on my stickies, I had like multiple stickies in my desk, like, and I'd like pull them out. Cause it was like, I needed the hope of like how to get out of this mess a little bit. And like, I had an eight year plan. And I told my, my, my best friend at, at school, I go in eight years, man, like I'm going to be out of here. And it's so cool because what is that? They say a person, um, they overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate they can do in five. Yes, that's the quote. And yep. literally in three years, like in three years of like working 80 hours a week, like I, like my camera roll in 2016, it had like nothing fun anymore. Like I just had to sacrifice everything. <laughs> my camera roll is like just my houses, my houses. And I had no friends, no family, but I was like, that was like the nuclear moment where I said, I'm going to make this work, whatever it took. And I just grew, I just grew, I was like Saturday, I would like Saturdays and Sundays. I wake up like at two in the morning on Saturday, I get like three hours of sleep and I would, cause I had to go to school on Monday and I would go and do my properties. And it's so crazy. Like I was, I was really kind of insane. And, um, I, I, I retired in three years. I, the- <laughs> That's so funny. It didn't take eight. It didn't yeah. take eight. And my friend was like, you can't leave. And I and I told my boss, I said, um, I, I found a better gig. And he's like, are you crazy? You got insurance. You know, you got a retirement plan, kid. Like, And my wife was like, are you serious? And my in-laws are like, are you serious? You're going to be a good job? And I, it's and like, I it's just... Like, it's like I'm watching a TV show right <laughs> yeah. now. And I just... It was like my last big push. I had all these chips. And I go... I believe in myself at this point because I I became like a badass. Like I I was like just intense and I just put all the chips in again. I thought I'm leaving my job and I just and so I but you know it's been painful. It's been painful since that since then. It's been hard, but I mean the freedom I have. Oh my life so much. Better. I see you at the gym now. Yeah, really, <laughs> really. I mean I I my life is very different from what it was. And so my point was that it just took it took. You can't just want it. You got to methodically plan it, you know, whether it's on sticky notes or whatever, but you got a dream board, dream board. Yeah. And so it's just, it's, it's just really crazy. Yeah. To be in this position. Now you, you mentioned, I think that you have pretty much all buy and hold, right? Yeah. So you have a portfolio of single families. Mm-hmm. Do you have any multis? No. In there? Uh-uh. Any other any other types of assets? Nope. nope. I did it. I mean, Airbnb my own place. I mean, that's what I did. I made my wife kind of go through this for a while. I would Airbnb my, my own house in West Omaha. And we air, I, I made her air, I made her Airbnb our house 36 times. The one, so we're in our, pra- we're in our neighborhood. You've Airbnb I, that. I've Airbnb that 36 what, times. What kind of numbers do you get for that? Good. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I bet you in, I did it 36 times, made maybe 50 grand, right? Doing that. Wow. Um, because, but I mean, that's where I made my wife go through kind of hell. Cause I just said like, I, I'm not going to make it. If we don't, if we don't Airbnb this place, like. I'm not going to have enough rehab. Like, honey, I need you to step up. And I had five kids and I made my kids like they cleaned their rooms, you know, and so we'd have like, we'd have all the big, big events that came into town. And, um, yeah, so I, I kind of, my wife's been really awesome because she was party to that. Okay. So tell me, how did those experiences go Airbnb in your own property? Like beautiful. Tell me the good and the bad. Dude, I would do it every day. Like I, I would hustle. And where would you guys go? Um, I bought a camper. I bought a camper once and then I made my family camp and that didn't go very well. 
because my wife's not much of a camper. Um, and then we would like just go stay with family, friends. Would it always rent? Like if you put it up, would it rent every time? I mean, I tell you, I would have a really good business. I got a letter from the HOA, and the HOA said, "We know what you're doing. We're watching you. We're watching you." <laughs> well, our, our HOA doesn't say you can't do it, does it? Well, the letter the letter said. Um, yeah, that you can't do short-term rentals. And I don't know who turned me in. I think it was probably more like someone in the hotel industry that had a vendetta against Airbnbs and just like went through all the Airbnbs that listed in Sanjay. the city. It was, it was Sanjay. And um, I called- It was the, right by us. <laughs> I, called, I, called, I called the HOA and just said, look, dude, I'm on a mission. Like, you're not going to stop me. Sue me. Whatever. Well, the, our HOA is so old. That's what they also told me. They said, uh, we just bark. We don't really bite. And so- <laughs> That's, uh, what, that's funny. So yeah, I it, mean, I, the house behind me was painted two tone colors for for several years, half black, half brown, with a toilet on the side of the house. See? Yeah. So if if he can get away with that, luckily he just cleaned it and sided it all blue. Lately, yep. your neighbor. Yep. <laughs> but I, I love the see. I love the Airbnb because it's a whole different client. You know, like I never had any bad experiences. It's it was just really great, and I had a I had a great business. I had a great reputation doing it. But again, that was another thing of just hustling, making my wife go through that. And um, any bad stuff though, like as far as Airbnb and your own personal own property. Oh, okay. So I finished. I finished my. Um, I refinished my kitchen table. Right. Like I went and sanded it, and I um, polyurethaned it, and like it looked really great. And then I Airbnb it like the next week, and I came back, and there were a fork. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> there were like, somebody had stabbed the it. Kid, like the kid fork marks. The kid was like somebody was like just stabbing it, you know. And my wife was pretty pissed, and I'm like. I don't even care because like they just paid me like $2,000, you know? And so like, I just like when you're, when you're in a desperate, desperate mode, like you'll be abused and you'll be okay with it. Like step on me, you know, cause whatever it takes to get the goal, you know? Um, but really they were just great. They were great people. Cause, cause my wife and I, are, I, I brought this up numerous times. I'm like, you know, we, we have a pool in the backyard. I we can probably make some pretty good money on this. I bet you can and, make yeah 600 bucks a night. And my wife is so, um, She's she's very cleaning anal, mm-hmm. and so like she has she has anxiety when just having family or friends over because the house is getting dirty. Yeah. So when to leave the house open to other people to come and like what's gonna be locked and not locked, she would I she would freak out. But she did say, hey, you know, if we move, do we keep this house and make it an Airbnb or a traditional rental or whatever? And I'm like. And I'm like, well, that we bought. You're the, like, what? Well, I know. Well, well, <laughs> we bought the house, right? I mean, it's it, we got probably 160 thousand equity in now. We have a two percent something rate on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, do, it's hard to give that up if we if we do move. Yeah, I would never sell that house. I would. I don't know if I would Airbnb it and do that to my neighbors, but I'd make it into a rental. But yeah, we could. You could make some really good money Airbnb in that neighborhood. It's just the demand. The demand is so high. It's so out of my buy box. That I, I I struggle with that because I I, I there I all my investments are in South Omaha. Yeah, Travis, what does your portfolio look like now? Yeah, I um so I began to buy in South though, and about like four or five properties in South though, and then like the market started changing. Now we're like two seven two thousand seventeen two thousand eighteen, and I just I kind of had in my head you know I wanted a two percent rule. I wanted I wanted the monthly rent to be two percent of my total you know investment, and like I was able to do that in 2016, 2017, and then in South Omaha, I was like, hey, I can't even do that anymore. And then someone said, um, "Well, you got to go to North Omaha, dummy," you know. And I had a I had a I had a crossover, 
And I started buying properties in just rougher neighborhoods and then wondering, can I handle this? How rough can it be? And um, I don't know. I, I've been able to make it work. And I did, and I did, I did that part in some rougher neighborhoods for a while. And then um, kind of a mentor uh, kind of came along and uh, said, you need, to, you need to just buy better properties in better neighborhoods. So really, my last property uh, went further out west and just um, – so you're not all South Omaha anymore? No, no, predominantly North Omaha. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah, well, I mean, so Travis and I, uh, we we worked together for a long time, and then and then there, we had a breakup. <laughs> no, no, you ended up working with one of the other real estate agents on my team. Yeah, and uh, and then um, and then we had a couple years where we uh, were. We we just kind of texted here and there. I was yeah. picturing Ted like yeah. we had a breakup, and Ted's like texting you late at night, like hey. still thinking of you. Hey, neighbor, I remember. I remember our talks. Well, uh, <laughs> well, we just all re- really reconnected in the last six months between running each yeah. other at the gym and uh, seeing each other as neighbors. We, yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? You live here? <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like I went through a lot of real estate agents because, like, you know, only the newer agents are going to want to take a forty thousand dollar property. And run around town for a for a month to find it for you. And I went through a lot of a lot of agents because I almost felt bad. Um, but then I began to buy things off market too, you know. So yeah, we kind of we kind of lost lost contact for a while. Yeah. So then we uh, then we reconnected, and I'm like, man, you left your job. You've done mm-hmm. this and this. I was just kind of blown away by it. So yeah. Um, and that's where it's led us to here right now. Yeah. So you know, this goes back to the whole size doesn't matter thing. But like, how many uh, doors do your does your portfolio? I, I have four, right now? I have fourteen houses. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and, and it's just because I bought them in the right spot, and then I just rehab the heck out of them. And um, you know, so some of my, I mean, I free and clear. So I'm in I'm in a position where I like they take care of me. Like that number takes care of me, and I and I feel that um, I'm now takes care of your whole family. Yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, it's not where I can sit back and be like, hey, I'm going to go on vacation. But it to me, I felt like it was level one freedom. You know, there's like different levels of freedom. And I feel like um, I was sort of chained to the wall. And now I can like, I can move freely around the room. And then like <laughs> next. You're I'm, still on house arrest. I'm gonna, but, I'm gonna, <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah, walk around your yeah, living yes, room. Yes. Yeah. And like, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick that front lock and I'm going to get out of this, this, this escape room, you know? And so like. I have more freedom to sort of my next kind of the, the next level of freedom, right? The plan. Uh, so I want to, uh, here's what I want to ask you. Yeah. So you were, you were in the teaching profession for 17 years, I believe mm-hmm. you said, Yep. and you bought some rentals and I think you hit number eight maybe before you quit. Yeah. yeah eight or nine. So here's what I want to know. How, okay. Ted and I go back and forth about this a lot. So he's very pro burr, right? Yeah. And I and I am as well. Well, yeah. I I am right now because I have to be. Yep. Well, I I would say you make the decision to keep when you could sell. Sometimes it's just so hard to find a property right now. I I, I just can't fathom giving it away when it's in my buy box. I'm not. A, oh, how dare you! I'm not attacking you, by the way. But I know. I'm I, here, here's here's where I was going with this. It's hard if you're doing just the burr yeah. method yep. to generate enough cash flow yep. because you're sucking the equity out basically yep. or yep. M- you know the majority of it and it's hard to replace your income yep. and quit a job if that's all you're doing. Yep. So my question to you is how are you able to supplement that 
and like if you're not flipping or if you're not doing transactions or if or, yeah. like wh- wh- where are you how are you making enough money to it's replace a, your income if you're great, just if you're just doing burrs yeah that's a great question no i mean when i quit my job i, I looked at my wife and said i'll do whatever it takes you know trust me like um and then I became a handyman, essentially. Like the first thing was like, I'm already fixing properties. I became, I became a handyman and I bought a cargo van full of all my tools and stuff. And so I tried the handyman thing for a while and I just didn't like that uh, bit. And then I had a big trailer, you know, and I would like during COVID when people were cleaning out their garages, like I would just hustle and pick up trash. Um, and so like, I just did whatever it would take to just, I, I promised my wife, like, trust me, I'm going to make this work. Um, just work your ass off. I, just, I mean, yeah, I just, doing whatever you had to do. Definitely. You know, I mean, my wife was like, oh, your dad would be so proud of you. Travis's trash service, you know? And I just said like <laughs> that, like, I, I, so I would go to the Ouch. dump. I would go to the dump and just take people's, people's trash, you know, like other, other people. And so like, I did that for like a summer, but then, then I, um, I don't know. I found some other, I found some really awesome other things like um digital assets right like crypto crypto right so I'm, i became a crypto dude and i could talk hours about that and i won't um i won't unless you want me to talk about it but but i became a crypto guy uh, because i was always looking for like what did i miss out on and so um and then i got my my real estate license as of late right i got my real estate license and so i want to make that just another source of my income and provide you know value and help other people you know who are kind of like me oh, i want to do something different how do you do it travis and so i want to be able to uh, help others so that's my other source of income so do you feel that um your your background in investing has helped your real estate career yeah, I mean, and and how so and how real estate career meaning br- the agent the side, agent side of it, yeah. yeah. Oh, has being being an agent now now that I've done understand you, real estate has it helped me? Well, so like I have a I have mm-hmm. a team of twelve agents, ten yeah. of them are all real estate investors. Yeah, and I I feel personally that them having investment properties gives them credibility and makes them be able to be a mentor to the to the clients that they're working with. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I I will tell people, oh, I wouldn't buy that. That's that's not a deal. You know, almost probably maybe to the detriment that I I can't help but point things out if I'm showing a mm-hmm. house to a client. I mean, like some some people would be like, you know, ask them get the sale, you know, but I'm like, oh, that like you can't. Well, you remember my, my background with foundations. I, I was a foundation guy for 4 or 5 years. Yeah. And when we went and looked at properties, I'd like, dude, this has got a foundation issue. This is what's going to cost. Mm-hmm. It, it that's valuable knowledge. It does hurt you on the sales. I've lost. I mean, no can I. I've probably lost a couple million dollars in sales. You've talked people out of buying stuff when you could have just been Aggre- like, oh yeah, aggressively, like, like it to to the point where I might even lost clients to the point where I'm like, you can. This is such a bad investment. It, it it's going to destroy you. And they and they hated Did it, it anyway. I'm like I'm like it, it was. I knew what I was looking at, and I and I'm like I would mm-hmm. never put my money into this. You hire me to be your guide into this process, and I'm telling you that this isn't a deal, and it, and it's hurt me. But it's another aspect that's got me a lot of referrals too. Yeah, I can see it being a double, so. I feel double, you double, double edged ed short, and, I, and I've kind of got to like temper that and not talk about every flaw as if I was going to buy it because they'll figure it out. Well, you they're know? investors that you, you yeah. That's how you create create credibility. Yeah. So okay, I just want to delve a little bit more into this topic because uh what your what your story is is awesome yeah and it's it's one of necessity and self-realization and determination to plow through obstacles despite a lot of uh 
you know, like circumstances that you don't really have control over. You were in a, you were in a frustrating career or you were dissatisfied in it. You have a large family mm -hmm. to provide for with a whole bunch of money time bombs coming up with weddings. Yeah. And, uh, you, you have, you know, you had a, this epiphany and said, I think real estate's the way and you have self-belief enough to basically go out and just do, you know, hustle around. My, here, but here's the thing. So wh what I wanted to ask you is, I, why why not flip a couple houses? Like, you know how to buy them. Why not just flip a couple or wholesale or wholesale or why not make some cash? That way you don't have to, like, go, you know, do trash outs and, and that kind yeah. of thing. That's a great question. I mean, I, I guess maybe I don't flip is, um, is because... There's a challenge. There's a ch there's a challenge of flipping, um, and I I've just met I've met some dudes that have got. Well, I could I should flip now because I'm sort of um, in a different a different place. I could flip now, but but the economy. I mean, I talk about I, I study a lot of like macro like, and so I tend to like I don't want to get caught in a bad situation where you're holding a house, and you're and and, the, and things turn south turn south right. Like now I've got kind of a portfolio. And I feel like I've gotten a little soft in my level of risk taking, right? Because I once you build something to level one, um, I feel like for me flipping is a little bit of a risk. And I haven't really, I haven't really, um, I, I do want to sort of ideate that further out. So to me, it, it feels more of a risk than just doing straight up sales. Okay. Yeah, maybe you could talk to me about that. No, no, I, uh, that's fair. And yeah. and the fact that you have your license and your you're generating income off of the commission that you have. And the, the reason yeah. I wanted to dial in on this is because yeah. you have 14 houses, yeah. right? Yeah. That's not a small number. And that's uh, I, kudos to you yeah. for, for all that. I, I It's not a small number. However, would you agree with me in that you, it's hard to retire yourself at yeah. 14 houses yeah. if you're, if you're, yeah. unless you bought such a smoking deal that you can pull out a whole bunch yeah. of equity or they're all paid off. Yeah. I actually have a different plan. I have, I have a, I have a part two, a different, a different path that I've had this, another epiphany, you know, that's going to get me to the, the next thing. Yeah. I, okay. But, yeah. uh, bookmark that for one second. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, just take a stab at finishing this thought. Yep. So when I, when I'm talking to new investors that are like, they want to, they're like, I really want to quit my job. And you know, that that's their mission, right? So they want to get out of the rat race and they think I want to burr. And I'm like, in my head, I think like, it's going to take you forever, mm -hmm. forever. If you do nothing else, but just burr, like you're going to have to do like 50 houses yep. before you can generate enough consistent income and not have these big capital events too. Because when you own a bunch of rentals, you know, as well as I do, yeah. you like you, you have air conditioners that go out or, yeah. or like roofs that go or not roofs. Cause generally they're, you know, replaced by insurance money, but mm -hmm. you get it right. Like you have these big capital events at times, sewer lines collapse, blah, 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 all this stuff. And yeah. you're like, okay, I have all this money and then it's gone. Yep. And then you're like, shit, I have to, you know, I'm out of, you know, then you have to start over and yeah. then you, you build it up and then it's gone again and you build yeah. it up and it's gone again. It's not like you can be like, oh yeah, make it rain. I'm going to go out and go clubbing tonight because yeah. I have 14 rentals. So my point to this is, when I talk to new investors and they're like, yeah, the way is burring. And I'm like, yeah, but mm -hmm. you also need, you need money events that happen along yep. the way that are going to be able to help you live. Yeah. Right. So that's, yep. that's why I flip. Yep. Right. That's why, that's why I generate cash events that are not just burrs. I like it. Yeah. You know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so some people do flipping like I do or wholetailing or wholesaling or whatever it is, or maybe they get their agent's license. Yeah. 
Maybe they manage properties on the side. Maybe whatever. There, there's always a general like cash generating activity other than just burrs. Yep. Because you get you get pinned down. You get. Uh, I found I found myself getting a, a, ahead of my skis in the last year. I mean, I got myself pinned down pretty hard on these these events that happen. You get a multiple series of events, and you don't. And you don't they always happen. At one, they always happen all yeah, at once. Too. I mean, I I just had been like multiple credit cards, you know, like and just being my wife. My wife, you know, I like the the accounts were down to zero, and she looked at me and she's like, "I hope you know what you're doing," you know. Yeah. And so that's when you kind of when you kind of get beat up a little bit, you sort of have to go back to your corner, lick your wounds, and figure out was well, that the best path. And so that's kind of where I'm at a little bit. Is like Burr, Burr has gotten me to level one, and it's yeah. Not, what's it, level two? So you yeah, lo- you alluded yeah. to that. What is that? Well, it's basically I just took my retirement money that I was going to get. You know, the 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 school system said, hey, if you keep your money in here, by the time you're 65, you'll have one thousand dollars per month. <laughs> And I said, liquidate. And I just sold all my, I just sold all my retirement money, you know? And I thought, and I'm sitting here with this cash and, and um, of course the equity guys call me and say, do you want to buy stock today? You know? And I thought, no, things are overheated. And then again, I just, my goal is I'm going to rehab houses and I'm going to wear my, I got my earbuds on and just, I'm just looking for, you know, the most important information is information I don't know. The person that has an information. And so YouTube has been a great thing for me just to continue my education. I'm just searching for, I'm searching for things to help me. And I, and I'd heard of Bitcoin in 2017, you know, and it's, so it kind of planted a seed and I just began to learn about digital assets, you know, in 2020. And I just kind of went all in. I just said, this, this is the thing that's going to help my real estate career. My real estate is going to benefit from this, you know, because maybe real estate is slow. It's slower and it's solid, you know, like it's, it can be fast, like flipping and all that can be fast. But now I think we're in a slow period, but I want horsepower, you know, and I need something that's got the horsepower. And to me, digital assets is the centralized, is the future and so I just have spent you know a couple of years studying this and and um, so I'm kind of coupling my investing. I'm using you know that digital asset world to then harvest because it's very cyclical and I'm going to harvest that and then buy more real estate. So I'm kind of in a little bit of holding pattern, just kind of making good choices and. Well, to kind of go back to what you just said, Owen, uh, a little bit, you you were talking about you know doing the flips and 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 creating that cash flow, but. I mean, personally, you know, I, I haven't been growing exponentially, but I always have something going for the last few years now. Mm-hmm. And I have been making sure that I'm buying right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm doing mm-hmm. smarter purchases, bigger rehabs, smarter purchases. Yeah. And I was just kind of running my, my numbers. I, you know, I, I don't have a huge portfolio. I got nine doors. I have, I have five properties. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And, and I'm looking at this and, now I'm 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 shooting ahead the the one that I'm almost I'm getting close to done with, but my cash out refi is roughly two hundred twenty four thousand, with leaving twenty to twenty five percent equity in each property. Mm-hmm. So I'm always taking. But how much up over and above? And maybe maybe you're going there with this. How much over and above? You're saying you're two hundred twenty four grand over and above what you have in it. No, that's what I've cashed out. Okay, yep. so you were able to put that in your account, but it did that? Did I'm that? Not, and I've repaid my. This is this is the money that's paid me above my my investment. So because oh I, cause, okay, 
So, so you're, you're kind of flipping, but you're keeping it. Uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. And, and I'm not paying the taxes on it yeah. uh, like you normally would. Yes. And I'm also taking a portion of each of that money and I'm putting it into a savings account. So I have six months of expenses always saved up to cover my butt. No, that's good. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I do agree with you that if if you're if you're not buying stuff with enough meat on the bone that you do have to buy flips because you buy a huge quantity of properties. Yeah. And you're not and you're not looking for the, the huge, huge one every time. No, no, you're so, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a big difference between like flipping a house or like a couple houses or whatever to generate cash. There's a big difference between that and like marketing and having a house flipping business where you have to do four deals a month or three, you know, three or four deals a month and make profit. But yeah, we don't hit a home run on every one because I would have to, I would have to put, I would definitely have to do some flips. And wholetails to be able to maintain your buying strategy. Yeah. Which yeah, I know that you're adding a ton to your portfolio and, and, and that's your growth pattern, which might be mine one day. But right now I'm just trying to make very smart decisions and well calculated decisions. And I can honestly say that the cash flow I get in my small portfolio is generally greater than people that I've uh, that we've interviewed that have 20 and 25 doors. You're definitely not wrong so, on that. Yeah. My, my, my thought only like uh, just to kind of further the thought here. I wonder if – I don't wonder if it's going to be telling how this now current you know, interest rate environment mm-hmm. is going to stymie people that are all burr all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I will change my way. But, yeah. But, no, I know that. I know that. But I'm also looking for better deals. Yeah. You're right. There, so this is going to create some some things out of this. So when we're you know we're in seven percent interest land now. Yeah. I yep. mean we yep, we had sure. another Fed interest rate hike this week, three, three quarters quarter. of a point. Is that yeah. high as yet? Yeah. Well, no, well, they've done that several times. I think this is the three quarters. Th- yeah, yeah, third okay. two of the two in a row. Yeah. And but my point to this is just be mindful of what you're able to do based on the environment that you're operating in. So I think, and I'm not saying that you made, you got lucky with this by any means, but you had an, a tailwind to, mm-hmm. to steal your term yep. uh, with the market run up and the ability to get easy refinances with banks and yeah. have a, take advantage of low interest rates, and, which is awesome. And you and, should do that. And take advantage of wholesaling, which is not available here in town. Yeah. Anymore. So I think if you take a snapshot in time of what you have right now on your portfolio and the, the, the ability that you had to extract equity out of that by refinancing, I don't know that that would work now. So good job doing that. But I like that what you said about keeping your eye on the ball with kind of how things are in the market. It's always a moving thing, right? And and your your tried and true strategy may not be tried and true in a different environment. You always got to be a chameleon. You always got to adapt. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true. I think I, I kind of give myself a hard time. Like, why aren't you buying right now? And it's because I've I've kind of like I've I put my the finger wind test. Like, where's the wind blowing? Oh, this is a headwind. This is a massive headwind we're having right now. And all I really need to do is just sort of like I got to tack to the left or to the right. Like I can still make progress, but it's just going to take a little more methodical. And, and then just but to, but to like head in the same direction thinking it's always going to be the same. Like we're facing a, a pretty good headwind. And um, the burr, I think I stopped buying because I realized the burr, the headwind was too strong. I can't I can't refi out on a 7% and and then make and make the note work and like why would you take on that much risk when you can't cash flow. So it has to be a really great deal mm-hmm. to make it work. And there are they're out there. 
Yeah. My, I, my, uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. My, my, uh, business partner with my, uh, house flipping business, Red Ladder, uh, Brandon, he, he, um, was a, he did interest rate. Uh, basically he was a trader for the Chicago board of trade mm-hmm. for 14 years before he got into real estate. And when I first met him, he had six monitors, uh, uh, right. At all times. Like, so he's like extreme ADHD, like by, by necessity, right. For that job. And he, and it was 24 seven. I mean, you, like you said earlier, it's like you can trade all day long. Um, and so he was always on top of the news and he still is. So he pays a ton way more attention than I do, mm-hmm. but, and that's fine with me. Like, I don't want to know all that. Yeah. I just need the highlights. Right. That, and so I never watch the news really. And it, but he really pays attention to all the stuff that's going on. And, um, we talk all the time about like, what's going to happen. What do we think is going to happen this winter? What do we think is going to happen in the next three months, six mm-hmm. months, mm-hmm. year? Right. So we're kind of like forward looking, but not too far out because really it's not realistic to be able to predict anything Yeah, because you may have a Russia, Ukraine situation. You may have like supply chain issues. You may have a pandemic, you know, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think if you operate under the information you have over a three to six month period and you can make decisions based on that. But I, here's what's, here's where I'm going with this. We, Ted and I, um, you know, with the RIA and the Omaha real estate meetup and, and all the other investors that we know and hang out with and spend time with, we, a lot of them are really like the next deal, the next deal, the next deal, like buy, 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 buy. And right. And, and so it's in, in, so they, they do a ton of volume. I like talking with someone that is more methodical and, you put a lot of thought into what you're buying and it's an, it's an asset. You're not just buying for the sake of buying. You're, you're really keeping a pulse on what is going on and making smart decisions based on that. And you're not, you don't feel the, I guess where I'm going with this is like, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just going way out on a limb here, but I feel sometimes like people want to feel relevant. So they still, that they're like active because of that. Yeah. And, and not that, yeah. do you know what I mean? I'm not saying you're not relevant, but yeah. I'm, I'm saying like, I like talking to somebody. Keep, you're that keeping is, up with the Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. and so I think about that too, because I'm like, I, I'm kind of a deal junkie. And I always have been. And I, I, I think I fit probably into that profile where I like, I want to be, I do want to be relevant. Mm-hmm. Right. But I also take a look at myself sometimes and I say, you know, how would I feel if I just took a year off and I didn't buy anything? Would, I, would, that, would that be weird? What would that look like? Yeah, does it, does it affect your psyche? And, and so, uh-huh. what does that look like for you? Yeah, D- does it feel weird? Do you yeah. feel? Do you have FOMO? I, like, I feel great. I feel. I honestly, I feel great. Like it was sort of divine that I, I finished my last house in February. I got it rented, and I thought I'm not making much on this because I, I chose to go west side. Right, I wanted to go. There was a little bit of drama. And, and for out of towners, what? What's uh, west yeah, side? just just like further out west in a nicer suburb, right? Okay. You know, just list up. Less drama, you know, good neighborhood, solid neighborhood, but the numbers aren't there. And I wanted to make my my portfolio more that just because it takes, there's a risk in sort of lower end portfolios. And um, I just, I'd run, I'd run myself kind of ragged. I'd worked really, I mean, like for a whole year, another year of like intense 70, 80 hours. And I, and I got to the point where I knew I was like breaking down mentally. Like I had like double eye twitches, you know, like that to me, Ugh, like, that to me is like yeah. a good sign. Like, dude, you're not, you're not taking care of yourself. I wasn't going to the gym, uh, my relationships. And so, um, in February I just said, I'm done. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm done. 
And I'm just done for a while. Like I'm going to, my kid, I got two young kids at home. I want to spend time with my family, rebuild my relationships, you know? And so it felt very freeing. I felt like that's what I need. You know, when you have like these tools, you just, then you just go and you start sharpening your tools and like, I'm going to use this tool again, just sharpen it, you know? So I feel like I'm in kind of a tool sharpening session here and um, I got a good plan. You've also reshifted your focus to your, your now real estate. Yeah. Yeah. I I had kind of a mentor that just said to me, you know, Hey, you you got a good portfolio. You have some good skill set. Come on. And and uh, he's been talking to me on like a weekly basis. You want to shout out? You want to shout out that yeah, mentor? Yeah, Sean Prouse. Is Sean, so, Sean, uh, Sean, yeah. Sean have properties? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. He, I mean, he's he's a heavy hitter. He does does what I do, you know. And so he's at Berkshire, and Sean just said, "Hey, you got to get your license. Why don't you get your license?" And I said, "I'm just an investor. I don't really want to get my license, you know. Like I just want to keep doing this." But it kind of came to a point where I realized, like you say, Burr is going to run out, and you got to do something. You got to be able to pivot. And so to me, there was that niche of. Uh, somebody wanted to do what I'm doing. I have kind of that skill set to help somebody. So that's where I'm transitioning is kind of in, into some sales. Um, and I'm with a, a group uh, with Sean and some other guys and gals. We're experienced real estate group in Omaha um, at a Berkshire. And so I, I have that that tool that I'm I'm working on. And um, and I like I like the way that feels just to build more skills. I. Oh, that's awesome. And I would say you really have a knack for, I mean, especially with your education background, your teaching background, and just having you on this podcast. I mean, you and I have never really had a conversation yeah, before, no. but I would say you have a very like easy, you're, you're very easy to talk to. And I think you have a good style of delivering information that people can understand. So I think yeah. you're very descriptive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And so, um, you paint a good picture when you talk, yes, yeah, okay. you tell good stories. <laughs> so, so speaking of telling good yeah. stories, yeah. do you have any crazy or, uh, weird yeah. stuff that's happened and uh, anything jumped to mind uh, on a, on a property you've bought or a deal you've had. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think uh, just going back to like un the unknowns, like every day in real estate, you're, you're going to get like a surprise, you know, and you're just like, you're going to get a little gut punch. So like my fifth, fifth or sixth house, I'm teaching, I'm teaching. A, I had another real estate agent said, um, okay, we got it under contract. We're going to go do, do a walkthrough of this big house in North Omaha. Um, I'll do a walkthrough for you while you're teaching class. We're going to get it closed tomorrow. And he, he and my agent had walked through the house for me while I'm, you know, I'm teaching and he sends me pictures and it was of uh, a pentagram in uh, oh. a pentagram. <laughs> and he goes, uh, someone broke in this rental property you're about to buy by tomorrow. And he starts sending me pictures of it. And there had, there was a pentagrams, uh, painted in red, right? Red spray, spray paint. And there's all kinds of burnt candles in like flesh and blood. Oh and then, and then, and he's like, he goes, Owen's mouth is just wide. He open. goes, <laughs> he goes, um, I'm not going to finish a walkthrough. And so, you know, I'm like trying to teach and teach and keep it together. And I'm looking at this picture of this like satanic, you know, on the, on the, the living room floor, the house I'm about to buy. And I was like, I got to keep going forward. Like, I can't let this stop me. And I told him, I said, dude, we're going to do it. Get me a better price. Yeah. I didn't even ask that because I already had, a, it was already a great price. Honestly, it was a great price already. Like I, I, we had already done some good negotiations. So I went there that night. Right. I mean, like it was like winter now and like the sun, sun sets earlier, it's getting dark. And I'm like in this house, you know, and I'm like, and I go upstairs, there's a pentagram upstairs with candles in flesh and blood in the middle of it. And there's a pentagram in the basement. They did it on the basement uh, floor too. And then in the upper attic, they did all these different symbols. And so I called the police and the police came and they said, uh, oh, son, you got a, 
you got a Satanist that broke in this house. And he said, uh, you're like, he goes, yeah, <laughs> thanks for the news. He goes, what? he goes, are you concealing carry son? And I said, no, he goes, doesn't matter. You can carry in your own house. And he goes, I'd keep that thing on you. And I go, I go like, what's going to happen? You know? And he goes, well, between you and me, he said, they often come back once they mark a house. And so I'm like, Oh my god! And I didn't even tell my I did not tell my wife because if I would have told my wife, probably probably good she move. She would have said, "Do not buy this house." So I told my agent, "I go, let's do it. Let's close it. Close it tomorrow." <laughs> and so, um, so the only reason my wife find found out is because I had a police report sent to my house from that that said, you know, she said, "Hey, I got something from uh, Omaha Police Department here. What is this?" And I had to disclose. Oh, honey, that house I just bought last week. <laughs> <laughs> and satanic people break into it. She's like, why did you do that? And I said, because we're, we're moving forward. Like, I don't care. Like, I'll, whatever it takes. So I had to rehab that house in the winter. Right? Love that. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. After whatever school, takes. massive action. So after school, I would teach, and then I'd go to North Omaha. And I'd go in that big property. It's like seven bedrooms, three bathrooms. It's a really big house. And I would like, you know, and I, and I tore that floor up and uh, I just, I would hear, I would hear things. And I'm like, oh, so now you just encounter a lot of hard things and it, and it makes you think, do you have, it isn't about the knowledge, it's the fire you have to overcome all this cold water, you know, because the cold water is going to come at you. And it's like, the, you have to stoke that fire so hot to overcome that fear. And I don't know, I had it, I had the fire and the fire was so hot. That it just and it was wasn't because like, of the satanic symbols. In the no, okay. yeah, <laughs> the, my fire was so hot it was like it was just like steam, you know, like the boiler almost burned down. Like it didn't matter. It didn't matter what cold water was thrown because like I was just very determined to make it work. So with all this fire you have, <laughs> yeah, what's 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 your long play? Like where, where are you going to be? What what what's your long? What are you going to do with these properties? What's the generational wealth plan? What, yeah, I, I'm, of my what, what what what's the horizon look like after you pass these mountains? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I guess I, I want to use I want to like really get into digital assets a lot, you know, and just use that that momentum, right? Because there's a momentum. There's a there's a adoption. So that's, that's doing really well for you. It is. I mean, it's going to. I mean, it's not now. We're we're in a really. I was gonna say really I don't know hard. what you're buying, but yeah. like my crypto account went from seventy grand to fifteen, and I love it. I mean, it's so funny because that fear, that fear is exactly what you want, right? When everybody says, I'm going to liquidate, you say, I'm going to buy. And I've, I've gone through enough years in crypto that you have to do the opposite of what you feel. And every time I feel very afraid, I'm like, I got to buy today. And so I've learned, I've learned that, I've learned like fear in, in the, in, was it in, in Chinese, right? Um, that symbol of, of fear is, is the symbol for opportunity. And I, and I, so I just have to like, does that look like a pentagram? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just feel like, yeah, digital assets to me is is the and the goal is real estate, but I, I want to use that as that that horsepower. Yeah, and I've watched it and studied it enough. So my my end goal is to buy nice properties. To buy nice properties <laughs> in nice parts of town. I mean I want to I want an Airbnb. And so I want I want, I don't know, 10, 20 more cash properties, you know? And then I'm just going to let my kids, I, one of my kids is going to like, here, you take it. Like, well, you need 10 or 20 more just so you can give one to each kid yeah. with all the kids. Yeah. Have. I mean, <laughs> so hopefully somebody takes over. Do you think, do you see any of your kids <laughs> having interest in what you're doing? I do. I've take, you know, I take uh, one of my daughters, my 15 year old uh, Katie, I take her um, with me and it's cool. Cause I want to Im Im imprint and her like, here's how you do it. It's, here's what hustle looks like. Um, you know, I take her to North Omaha and we will go and, you know, just, 
I want her to have that sort of awareness of just what it takes. And, and um, so she's helped me. She helped me paint. She, she does interior stuff like that. But um, I can see somebody doing it. Like, I'd like to work with my kids at some point. I think it'd be really great. I love that. All right, Travis. Um, we have a section that we lovingly call Failing Forward. Where we ask you uh, about a deal that you might have been involved in where it didn't go according to plan and maybe some lessons you learned along the way. Got anything in mind? So just so you know, uh, Denless laughs every time we do this because he has a pre-recorded version that we always do it. But Owen and I always (laughs) We we get it. Yeah, we get into it. I mean, yeah. We want to have the harmony. uh, It's part of the character. You know, they have to get into the mindset. That's right. Every once in a while, he just throws it at us and just puts puts our actual singing instead of the pre-recorded, I think. He loves it. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, got anything in mind? Yeah, I guess maybe the, my worst deal. I mean, you, you know, when you Ooh, get, I love the worst you, you know, when you're, you when you win, you're like, you feel like you're invincible. You're like, oh my gosh, I just keep getting home runs, home win, runs. Win, win, or like, you know, what? if I get, if I get money on my yeah. mind, yeah. that's all Travis cares about. And then, um, it's just, it's cool. <laughs> uh, a couple of times, like I, I bought a house, I bought a house because the numbers worked really well. It was like a $13,000 house. And then like the week after I bought it cash, I got a notice from the city that said it was being, uh, it was being set to be demolished. Oh yeah, and, and my skill set wasn't there, and I just panicked. Okay, and like I know you like houses like that. I've had a couple demo houses. I couldn't handle it. I just, I just unloaded it. You know, with full disclosure, full disclosure, I unloaded it. You know, and I lost a couple thousand, so I got a little sucker punch. But I actually got hit pretty hard this last um, couple years. And um, I won't give all the details because it's kind of a it's a local person. But I bought a house from a wholesaler. And um, it was a guy I had bought something from before, and like we kind of trust each other. And um, I didn't ask a lot of questions because like there aren't that many deals out there, so you just you just take you take it. What looks like a deal, but I didn't scrub it. And I should have went and like done a little more due diligence. And I bought the house, and it turned out the renter was like one of those serial renters where they know the law very well. Mm. And uh, he thought he had claim the the renter thought he had claim. I was going to kick him out. He's a professional tenant. Yeah, he had he had claim to the property because his contract was actually a rent to own, but it wasn't even a contract. It was a verbal contract. Okay, so um, the wholesaler I, I believe knew about this, but didn't disclose it to me. I, I'm fifty thousand dollars in this, and the in the courts are involved. Okay, so. The the guy suing oh, the guy suing me right, and I uh, then the the title company gets a lawyer. For How are me. you the right person to sue? I know it because okay. I'm I'm now the owner, and so it's like it's like there's like four people involved: the wholesaler, the owner, the the renter, and me, and like we're all like counter suing each other. Right? <sighs> it was a big mess, and the court was like dragging their feet. And here I've got fifty thousand dollars in the line, right, of my own money, cash. From a rehab from, or from a, a burr, right? And so it was honestly a year and a half and it hadn't moved. And it hadn't, and, and the court was still like, we need a deposition. And from this, guy's living, is this, guy this guy's living there for free. Free. For okay. free. And, and, um, is he paying utilities? N- nothing. And in fact, he had a court order against me that I couldn't even go on the property. It's my house. And, um, how's that work? I, it's just nuts. It just makes you, it makes is he, you, is he replacing the roof if it goes bad? No, <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where you feel really helpless and you try to get the courts to help you. And they're like, um, well, you have a disp, we need the de- deposition and you need to show photography. And it, and it just became a nightmare. And my wife said, you got to get out of this. 
And the only way to get out of it, like the, of the four people, the only person that really took the haircut is me. Like I had to, like, I lost like ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000, you know, just to like, like to settle out of court. And I could have won, like I would have won, but it would have been so much effort and it would have been probably another year. And I thought, how do I gracefully lose $15,000? Well, I just did it, you know, forgive, forget, move on. And I think you just it just shows you that you you're gonna get sucker punched. So who got the property? The guy, the renter. I just I give it back to him. The renter got the, the renter property? got the property for 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 nothing. No way. But you, you so how how do you you say you lost ten or fifteen? What, what? Because I'm the one that had a, I had a concede on my so some of the other other everybody else gave money back. They gave money back because um, because we're all in a court a court battle essentially, and so. They all like they all conceded a little bit. Basically, the, the wholesaler, so you, the wholesaler conceded a little bit. So right? you got that money. Yeah. So basically, of the fifty thousand, I ended up getting like um, maybe about forty forty thousand dollars back. The the title company pitched in some. You know, the title company really should have taken care of me. They should have been been like, hey, we got your back. This is a, kind of a weird situation. But they didn't. They just kind of let. They just kind of put me out there and said, "Oh, you figure it out." So I'm making phone calls. I'm calling everybody. Because title insurance should have possibly covered this. They they only they would only give a max. They said they only give a max of like ten thousand dollars max. And then they said, if that's not enough, then just go to court. But like going to court would be like two years of me just going do 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 do. Well, this guy's living there for free, right? And, and, and you can't and you can't walk the property. You're still paying the taxes, yep, right? Paying the taxes. And if if the lawn gets too long, it's not going to him, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you don't know oh what you don't gosh. know, and I should have scrubbed the deal. And I that thing and that's where you roll the dice and you go all the chips in. What a D-bag, what, what man. You gotta, what, yeah. could you, what could you have done better on this? I, I, here's what I should have did. Um, I knew the wholesaler told me he was a rough tenant. You know, He was uh, kind of a crazy tenant. And what I should have did is I should have walked up to the door and knocked on the door and before I close a deal and said, hey, I'm the new owner. But I was kind of afraid because when he said he's a loose cannon and he had properties, he had cameras in the property, I didn't know whether I was going to get shot or not. Yeah. You know, yeah. And you don't know what loose cannon means. And so I, I, if I would have met him, I would have got that backstory. So the onus is probably on me to have really scrubbed that deal well. And, you know, you lose. You just lose. I'm so used to losing I've, money. I've never heard anything like this. Have you dealt with this, Owen? Nope. Wow. Yeah. No. The courts are so. I'd be so pissed. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I can't. I can't waste. It. You know, when you can't, you can't chase a rat down. You can't burn your house down for a rat. You just let it go, you know? Yeah. You move on. Well, wow, that's wow. a great story, man. Sorry you went through all that. Yeah. Um, Is probably the house is in foreclosure since? I bet it's. He, I mean, probably. He, yeah. He's, he's loving Loser. It. Yeah. I mean, he got it for nothing. <laughs> oh, holy moly. All right. Well, that's a great story, Travis. Yeah. Um, we've got one last section. We're almost out of time. Let's get into the OT with Owen and Ted. So in this section, we have a set of questions that we ask every guest. Um, we're going to go kind of rapid fire here. You ready yeah. for the first yeah. one? Yeah. All right. So what will your first book be called or about? That's a, good, that's a great question. I mean, I guess the two things I, if, if we're talking about finances, the two things I, I love are, you know, uh, crypto and in casas, it'd be like it'd be called crypto and casas. Oh, nice! Like that. Clever. I just came up with that. I like so it. you know, teaching people about that. There you go. 
What did little Travis want to be when he grew up? <laughs> Gosh, I honestly, I honestly was, I just looked at this question. I had no dreams like that. I wasn't like a police officer. Uh, um, I don't know. I just think I had kind of a tougher childhood and then I didn't have like, I didn't have any aspirations. I got to college because my mom uh, was just like, I think you should go to college. Do you know? And when I got there, I thought, um, I, you know, I'd, I'd camped and been on the outdoors and I thought, I think I'm going to be a park ranger. You know, like I had kind of crazy, not realistic. You kind of have a park ranger look. I th- yeah. 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 I could be tough. <laughs> so I thought I'm, I'm going to be like a, a natural resources outdoorsy dude. So I don't know. I got an education just um, from another mentor, I suppose. But yeah. Okay. At your funeral, who is going to give your eulogy and what do you hope they'll say about you? Oh, that's good. I didn't see that question coming. I just um, made it up. Oh, that's good. You know, I, I do think about this. I, I think about, you know, you begin with the end in mind, you know, and what, where, where do you, how do you really want to spend your time? And that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at right now and why I'm not being crazy and carving it up and going and buying and deals and deals. Because to me, the investment that I have isn't the money. The investment I need is the time. And so to me, it's my family, right? And so I've got, um, I've, I've got a girl that's about to, about to graduate and I feel like, I squandered her like for five years while she was, you know, in in middle school and high school, I was non-present. Like I, I just, I spent my, my kids like dad time on my business. And so for me now it's making up, it's making up with my kids and like spending time with them. And like, yeah, I just hope that they said like my dad, my dad was a badass. you know, he, he, he like pushed really hard and he, um, he went through really hard times. So my kids have seen me, you know, the, the hardness of what I had to go through to get there. And I, I hope that they say that he made it up to me, you know, like he spent time with me. And, um, I just hope that's an, that's a, that's an image my kids have is that you, you go, you do hard. So your life is easy, you know? And, um, yeah, I think, I think that would be, that'd be a great lesson for them. That's I, good. I always think about that. Like, you know, when we, the day we do pass, will our kids uh, reflect on the, on the podcast that we were on and that question, and you know, will that be mentioned? You know, I mean, it, it's just it's just something that always kind of goes yeah. in my head. But. To kind of to kind of go off script here just for a bit, really quick. Um, mm-hmm. If if there was one thing that you do when times are hard to get you fired up to continue, what is that one thing? Yeah, I think about like there was times when I I, I want to honestly give up. I think I cried at every single house I bought, you know, because I was overwhelmed in teaching and then I had to go and do it at night, you know, and I was so tired and I would like be like moaning and groaning. I'd go through Menards, just be like, uh, like I would literally just moan because there's so much pain. And um, I just, I listened to lots of like, I had to get my men, my mental game right, dude. I listened to lots of podcasts about just like the why, the philosophy, the self you know, and to me, I had to go and just really go back to the why, because you like you can go through pain if you have a purpose, if you know why you're going to go through it. And I, I had to always just like fire that up. Even 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 now, it's like you got to you got to tweak that mental game because that's really the key. I have to like just listen to podcasts that are like about like, you know, you got this, you know, so. Yeah, thanks. Travis, when I call you next year at uh, this time yeah. and I'm like, hey, buddy, uh I see you're doing big things. I, you know, I hear you doing big things and I want you back on the podcast. What's your business going to look like at that moment? Yeah. Well, I hope that I, I can continue my um, sales, you know, and help other and help other people. Right. And just be that inspiration of like, Hey dude, if you can do it like a low intelligence, you know, but a lot of heart, like if you can do it, I can do it. I want to just help other, I want to help other men who are like in their twenties, 
you know, that have no idea what round five looks like for them. You know, I want to be like that mentor, I suppose, to people who um, are, that don't realize their wives want to stay home and they're like working a, a, a stable job. And I want to, I want to help people see that, um, you know, that stability is not freedom. And so I want to be that mentor and, uh, help other investors learn how to invest. Um, yeah. Awesome. How can our listeners support you or what are you looking for in your business right now? If anything, and what's the best way to reach you? That's great. Yeah, I'm trying to like, you know, spending like five years in isolation, just working on my properties and teaching. And I've kind of like not been on a social and social media as well. So I'm kind of learning to step that up and just build an Instagram. And it would have been really nice if I would have been doing that while I was fixing up my properties to begin with, like doing Instagram and being so I just didn't have enough bandwidth to do that. And so now, um, yeah, now I'm just kind of trying to get an Instagram um, going and uh, – get a following. So it's just Travis underscore Wiswell. That's my Instagram. And I'm also on experience real estate group, um, dot com and, um, with my, my cohorts and we're selling real estate. Nice. Travis, what mentors in your life are people that you'd like to give a shout out to? Uh, yeah. Um, well, Sean Prowse, you know, as far as that, uh, the sales aspect and, um, you know, mentors are just people like, uh, if you can't have a mentor, like, in your in your life you you can find one online you know and so i just have a bunch of different mentors like jim Rohn. you know for me was probably the dude that i think helped me figure out what was deficiencies in my thinking you know so like like these online mentors you Rohn. but like locally i had um my buddy uh herber you know el salvadorian dude he a uh, faith-filled guy and he just saw, saw me hustling and said let me help you how can i help you in your properties I'm going to teach you. So I've had people help me learn, you know, learn handyman skills that I'm very grateful for. I would not have been here, um, you know, and you just, you know, you have these banking relationships, like people that have just been been very supportive. Um, yeah, my wife, my wife, you know, she has put up with my insanity, you know. I mean, I think she she has watched me suffer through this, this transition period, but I think uh, – it took a lot of belief because I, I think I would have maybe thought mm, he doesn't have enough in the tank to get this done. And so uh, she, she's had a ton of, a ton of, and, she, and really as for as many hours as I was gone at night um, in my rental properties, she was with five kids alone, you know, yeah. like we both did hard. The unsung hero. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so we both did hard. And so she's, she's amazing. Oh man. I, I understand it. I I think we all uh, put on put a lot on our wives uh, so we, that we yep. can do what we do and and try to provide the family because I mean we all have the same story here at the table. With, you know we're doing this for the kids in the end, right? Yeah. Shout out to the wives of all those real estate crazy real estate investors out there <laughs> and letting us do do the things that we do. Yeah, <laughs> and the nights and the mornings and the weekends and everything that goes yeah. along with that, right? Well. Uh, Travis, I mean, not disappointing. Man, we, the fun part about this is that we've gone full circle. Yeah, you, you know, we've gone from you teaching, you know, helping you get your first investments, being one of my first clients, to you now being a real realtor yeah. and yeah. and uh, doing investments and leaving your job. So, man, I'm I love hearing your story. Love to see where you've gone and come and where you're going. And uh, and I and man, I I love listening to you. I I, I I'm sure people are listening to this right now or the whole time you were talking. The way you describe things, I mean, it, it, you paint a picture that that most people can't paint just with yeah. your words. So, oh, thank you. Um, it was truly amazing. What a fun day! I appreciate you guys <laughs> inviting me here. 
Um, if you're listening to us for the first time or the 59th time, we appreciate it. Uh, we also appreciate reviews. Uh, it helps us uh, get a bigger national audience. No matter what platform you listen to us on, please give us a five-star review. If you're on Amazon or if you're on uh, Apple, please give us a written review. It really helps us out. Um, I have a couple uh, reviews here on Amazon. I'm just going to read one uh, right now uh, from a gentleman named Tanner. It says, best podcast for investors of all skill levels. Ted and Owen are so much fun to listen to. I look forward to their podcast every week. The guests provide so much knowledge and experience. It is impossible to not grow from tuning in. He goes, let's bring back the handsome guy from the episode 13 as a guest host. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, he, he uh, tagged his name as being Sanner Thurman. <laughs> yeah, Sanner Thurman. <laughs> Thanks, Sanner. <laughs> so fun, fun stuff there. Uh, but the seriously, the reviews mean a lot to us, guys. We really appreciate it if you could do that. But with no further ado, Owen Dashner, will you see us out? On behalf of Denless Bertrand, Rhea Radio, Ted Kosh. I'm Owen Dashner. You've been listening to Travis, the Pentagram Property Purchaser, was well. <laughs> Signing off. That was awesome. That was so good. What a fun day. <laughs> Collaborate and listen. You gotta jump in on this, man. Something. I just, I just you have to hold me tightly. Oh, like a harpoon, daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll glow. I rock a mic like a vandal, a stage jack chump like a candle, dance. Yeah, and then you forget at that point. Yeah, yeah, it's like the first 30 seconds. You got skills, Dennis. Recognize. Yes, sir.